State Farm is committed to being your top choice when ensuring the things that matter to you. My Cultura podcast host, Dramos, also believes in the power of financial knowledge. That's why he makes sure to share his financial tips on his podcast, Life as a Gringo. We all deserve to be living the life that we want to live. But how do we do it in a responsible way that we know we can afford it? For me, if I have to buy it on a credit card, if I can't pay that card at the end of the month, I can't afford it. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at es.statefarm.com. State Farm is a proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Michael and Stormy with you. Week 17 kicking off in the National Football League tonight. So we'll preview all things Jets, Browns, that number up to seven and a half. We got news notes, updates from all the practice reports from yesterday. A look at some updated futures markets today and an hour two. Like we always do on a Thursday, VP of operations here at Circa Resort and Casino, where I am broadcasting from. Mike Palm is going to join us. We'll talk through all things Circa Survivor. Get Palms pressing three going. Uh, great to be back with you today, Michael. I hope you've got yeah. the Wasabi Fenway bowl on on a screen in the corner or something like that <laughs> i have no idea what that one is i love how these baseball stadiums have taken in games it's interesting great holiday bowl last night I- i'll say this you were missed but you know you leave town and all of a sudden stuff starts flying around i mean wow what news was breaking yesterday on a wednesday and uh the, the nfl's upside down i mean everybody's feeling sorry for russell wilson making 50 million a year all of a sudden is that <laughs> shocking or what Crazy. Yeah, you guys had a major news dump yesterday, and I know you dove into a lot of the Russell Wilson stuff yesterday, but some news kept on sprinkling through the rest of the day. So I don't know if you guys were on the air when the Diana Rossini stuff came out yesterday that, that, that apparently Wilson's known that this was coming to some extent for months. Uh, Apparently Wilson's representatives two months ago said that he would be made inactive if he didn't defer his contracts, March, 2024 injury guaranteed trigger date, which would be that $37 million injury guarantee. So he kept playing with that in mind. That's wild to me. Well, I mean, this is between the agent and the club. They just basically said, look, you know, we're going to have to fix this contract. We're not picking up the option. You know, the contract doesn't meet the value of the player. The players, you know, this contract that you've got from George Payton and the Walton family is really ridiculous. We can't afford to continue spending good money on bad money. And so we need to fix it. And in fairness to the kid, like, why would at 35 years old he give up his injury guarantees? He can't. See, the mechanism, the reason this contract is injury only guaranteed is because they don't have to fund the money where the Browns had to fund every dollar of the Deshaun Watson contract past a certain point because it was skill and injury guaranteed. This is only injury guaranteed and they use trigger dates to then become fully guaranteed. And so why would he give that up? And I think ultimately both parties make a strong case for their position. And now it's time to move on. The fact he's going to get cut to me is not really relevant because he has a no trade clause in his contract. And because he has a no trade clause, he would have to agree to go somewhere else. And that would put him in a little bit of a of a negotiating position that maybe he doesn't want. So he has to get cut. You know, it, once they made this move, they knew they had to cut him, but they were cutting him no matter what. You know, they had to cut him because the contract is really the value of the contract far exceeds the player's ability. 
And I don't know about you, but to me, this like whole relationship in general with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton feels like it was kind of an arranged marriage that just didn't work yeah. out. An arranged marriage can go one of two ways, right? It can go the way where you you don't know what you're going to get, but you end up having this lovely life of happiness down the line, all the things. And then you have the other side of it where it's like, let's try to make this work. I see potential in you, but no, actually you ended up being the dud that I thought that you might be. And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to try to get out of this. I mean, you remember like Sean Payton at the very beginning, when I say trying to see the potential in somebody at the beginning, he's making all of the excuses. He's blaming Nathaniel Hackett and the other coaching staff trying to take the pressure off of Russell Wilson. And then as time goes on, you see the discontent on the sideline, the screaming, the, I don't know. It just didn't work out. So to push this forward now, Michael, um, what does that mean for Russell Wilson? Like, what do you think is going to happen with him? And conversely, with the Broncos as well, what does this mean for them moving forward? Well, let's start with Sean Payton. I mean, Sean Payton didn't sign him to this contract. George Payton did. Sean Payton didn't give up all these assets. George Payton did. George Payton went ahead and acquired Russell Wilson, who had two more years left on a contract that were basically $50 million. He could have easily let him play that contract out and see what he had with Nathaniel Hackett. He didn't. He chose to go down this route and pay him a ton of money. And now they're paying the consequences. And once they hired Sean, Sean knew that. So Sean was trying to make this work. He wa- he needed to make it work financially because even if Russell was 80% of the contract, he was going to stick with it. But when the, when the imbalance occurred, he couldn't stick with it. And the frustration kind of etched out. He tried. I think Sean really, if you know Sean and you know people in the organization and you're not listening to ex-players defend Russell Wilson, then you know he tried. Now moving forward, here's where the ex-players really can't see the road because he's got two more years, $75 million guaranteed, right? If they exercise the option, that's if they exercise the option. If they don't, $54 million is guaranteed. So no one, no one, underline no one, for as badly as mistreated as everybody thinks the Broncos are doing to Russell, no one's taken that contract, which proves the contract is invaluable. Right. When you put a player out there and you ask for some team to trade for him and nobody wants the contract, that tells you you overpaid him. That's pretty clear. And so he's going to get cut. He's going to be a free agent. And then I think it becomes interesting. Right. Does he have value? Yes. Is he 40 million value? No. Is he 20 million? Maybe. What's the situation? Who's around him? And what kind of mindset is he in, Stormy? Well, you know, look, all that's gotten lost is. Seattle and partly of Denver was this Russell was almost a third person character, right? It's him. Let him cook. Let him do this. Let him do that. He's not that same player in the last three years. So what player are you getting? Right. What player are you getting? You're getting a player that really doesn't run the West Coast offense. He wants to make a loose play. He wants to he wants to move from the pocket and make a play down the field. And there was a time, and you know this being the better that you are, that it was not a smart decision to bet Russ in a three-point game. But that's been three years ago. That was then. Now is now. Yeah, and I I don't think it's too prisoner of the moment to say this is going to go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history, the way that things have panned out and the dead cap money and the guarantees that are attached to all of this. Wilson, 11 and 19 across 30 games as Denver's starter. Uh, and, and there were moments, don't get me wrong, where he, he was improved this season compared to what we saw last year. And we thought that this Broncos team he could have figured things out and they could have gone to the playoffs that percentage now down to 7%, but it just, it didn't work out. And so now as he gets sat, um, I was surprised to see the line for this game this weekend plummet as much as it did. Yeah, Got as low as three. We did see a little bit of that buyback, though, now up to the three and a half against the Chargers. Uh, like, was Wilson really worth that much to the line at this point, the way he's been playing? I think it was all public, right? I think it was just a public perception. I mean, Jarrett Stidham will come in and execute the offense. Look, why were the Broncos winning? Why were they? They were not winning because of Russell Wilson. That's fair. I'm not, not, I'm not being critical of the player. Mm-hmm. He was not the reason they won. He's 24th in yards per completion, 22nd in yards per attempt, right? He's 27th in getting sacked. So they were operating around him. They were operating around him. His yards per completion is down two yards from last year, 12.1 to 10.3. 
Now, you can say, well, it's the players around him. We heard that before, right? Okay. So, like, this number moving two points to me was ridiculous. I think there's tremendous value in Denver at three and a half. I don't understand it. I, I really don't. I think, to me, the Broncos aren't going to miss a beat. They're going to put Stidham in the game. He's going to run the offense. They're going to do what they do. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to turn over the, Bronco, the, the Chargers. They're going to try to control field position and kick as many field goals as they can. I mean, look, last week, they get the ball back with, what, a minute 12 to go in the game against the Patriots? Russ has got the ball. They fought themselves all the way back in. All those people in Survivor that had the Broncos. We got our chance now. We're back. Okay, we can win the game. Come on, Russ. And they go three and out. And Bailey Zappi leads them back. And all those poor people in Survivor lose out. You think they think it's strange that Russ got benched this week? Well, Sean Payton was asked about the decision and making the move to Jared Stidham. Here's what he had to say to media this week. His pedigree, his competitiveness, all of those things. And but but we we need a spark. We need we need something right now. And and then we'll we'll handle the long term, you know, when we get there. But we're not there. I mean, we're we're trying to find a way to get this eighth win. And then if we're able to do that, then obviously we've got another important game next weekend. But that's where we're at right now. Just trying to get that that eighth win. Um, sitting there, yeah. that the playoff picture, Michael. I said their percentage as of right now seven percent. What's the percentage in your mind of the Broncos making the playoffs? Oh, I, I mean it's unrealistic. I think they they let that slip away last week when they yep. lost to the Patriots in a game they should have won. Right? I yep. mean, in a game that they should have won, they turned it over. They didn't make plays. You know, they had their opportunity and they couldn't quite cash in on it. So they, I mean, they're not a playoff team. Let's be clear. But I don't think it's going to stop them from competing. I don't think Russ not being under center is going to be a factor in this game. I think it actually may enhance the team to compete and play harder because wow. the message is pretty clear to the locker room. Either you play well or you're not going to be here, no matter how much your contract's worth. That's a powerful thing to say to a team, right? See, Sean Payton can do this. You know, Nathaniel Hackett couldn't have benched him because Nathaniel Hackett had no skins on the wall. Payton's got a Super Bowl. He's a successful coach. He's coached Drew Brees, who's going in the Hall of Fame. He can do this. He's got clout. He didn't like the way his offense was running. Sean is a guy that wants to run the offense. He puts the quarterback in the right position. You make the throw. Here it is. Throw the ball. We've got here, there. Russ, 27th in the league in sack. What's that tell you? That tells you that he looks and goes and wasn't running the offense to the way that they wanted it. It's, I, I mean, I've been saying it all year. They've been working around them, not with them. Yep, among the league's worst in third down production, goal-to-go situations, 22nd in the red zone. But they are facing a Chargers team this week that's terrible, led by Easton Stick. And last week they got the bump, right? They played that competitive game against the Bills, the post-Brandon Staley bump that we see. I think that's going to be out the window here. I think there's a lot of value on Denver this week as well at that number, even with the hook. Um, we're going to keep it in the AFC West when we come back because Travis Kelsey had some very strong opinions, getting a little bit of a vent session out in his podcast this week about the struggles for that offense. And when it comes to Thursday night football tonight, can the Jets pass defense contain what's become known as Flacco fever in Cleveland? We'll discuss. Don't go anywhere. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What does it take to run a small business? Heart, smarts, and the nerve to risk it all in the face of adversity. Listen to The Unshakables, the new podcast now available from Chase for Business and iHeart. 
It features real stories from real small business owners who take you through the turmoil, triumphs, and quick turns that help their businesses break through. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. eBay Motors es tu socio seguro. Puedes ver el potencial. Con algo de trabajo, piezas nuevas y mucha pasión, transformaste una carrocería oxidada con 100,000 millas en un vehículo totalmente singular. Con más de 122 millones de piezas y accesorios para tu vehículo, puedes asegurar que siga funcionando sin problemas. Juegos de frenos, faros, turbocargadores, defensas, lo que requiera tu carro, encuéntralo en eBay Motors. Con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, te aseguras que la pieza le queda perfecta a tu carro a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Y a estos precios, quemas llantas y no tu dinero. Mantén vivo ese espíritu de ride or die, baby, en eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com. Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Get ready for the new year with your one-stop shop, Total Wine, and more with the lowest prices for over 30 years. You'll always find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine and more. Please drink responsibly. Must be 21. Maybe Travis Kelsey should head over to Total Wine. Take the edge off a little bit. Uh, as Kelsey this week on the New Heights podcast, Michael, was talking a lot about this defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs team's offensive struggles. He did not hold back as he was venting some of his frustrations. Let's take a listen. Knowing that we got guys that we can win with. And um, it's, uh, it's just a, it's a frustrating experience right now. And um, every single day we're going in here fixing it. I promise you guys. Uh, and it's not just one guy. I, I'm, it's not just me playing like dog. It's not just uh, us not being able to get the run game going. It's not just us not being on the same page passing wise. It's, it's everybody's in this thing together everybody at some point um isn't being accountable and we all just gotta f bring it together man he did not hold back the f-bombs either a lot of bleeps there michael but what did you make yeah. of what he had to say well look i mean you know there's when you try to identify the problem of your team you certainly you look is it a design problem or is it a production problem and the production meaning the player right and i think there's a couple elements at play here for the chiefs right their offensive line is not good And really, it hasn't been good all season, starting with week one. Donovan Smith has been hurt. Jawan Taylor hasn't been very good for them. He lines up in the backfield on most plays. They don't even call him for that. Last week, Trey Smith did not play well. He got handled fairly well. So now, because the line can't protect well enough and there's no speed on the field at receiver, you know, Mahomes has got to hold the ball a tad longer. And so the answer why he was so frustrated last week, Stormy, was because they were asking him to chip on the way out. They wanted him to chip Crosby or chip Malcolm Kuntz on the way out to help these tackles. Well, he, he don't want to block. So, okay, that's fine. You don't want to block. We'll put Noah Gray in. And so Noah Gray comes in, and now you got Noah Gray and Kelsey and two receivers, and you're slow as hell. You got no explosiveness. So the Chiefs' design problem stems from their inability to accept where they are right now. They're no longer an explosive team. I mean, they used to lead the league in explosive plays. They used to have one-play drives. They used to score 30 on, a, on a, a repeated level. They can't do that anymore. It's just who they are. You know, Scantling's not a, you know, he doesn't make plays down the field. Who do you go into the game saying, boy, we got to worry about them on the outside perimeter? This whole notion about, oh, we're going to, you know, you're not worried about Kelsey anymore. Watch the tape. No one doubles Kelsey anymore. No one doubles him anymore. Now, that might be because of the ankle injury that he had early in the season or just that he's 34 years old. He's still a good player. But here's what I do know. And Ozzie Newsom taught me this 20 years ago, 30 years ago. When a player starts to drop passes that he normally catches, his legs are going. And we've seen that with Kelsey. Well, and Kelsey, that's... That, 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 that sprint left option early in the game where he throws the ball right to him, he drops it, that's telling. 
Well, and that's the thing I was going to say is when when he's out there talking about accountability as a leader and as the top receiving threat on this team, like he needs to take some of that for himself. He has seven drops this season. He can't be throwing his helmet and chucking it and doing what he's doing on the sideline either. Like there needs to be a different level, I think, from him in that standpoint as well. And you say the Chiefs used to be explosives. They used to be. They also used to have an identity and they don't anymore. Like what is the identity of this team? Most drops in the NFL, most offensive penalties in the NFL like that's what it is right now which is strange and so now as we move this forward to this week Michael the Chiefs are seven point favorite against the Cincinnati Bengals they have a long list of injuries as well Isaiah Pacheco still in concussion protocol Andy's working through a shoulder injury Kadarius Tony with a hip on the defensive end uh, Legereus Sneed a calf strain Jalen Watson Donovan Smith uh, none of these guys have practiced this week but laying a touchdown in this spot against Cincinnati how do you evaluate the game well, I mean, Lou Amaromo was upset last week with his defense because they gave up one play scoring drives, which you can't do in the NFL, right? And so he sees this tape. He's watched it. Now, let's, let's, let's understand the dilemma here in Kansas City. When you watch the game, Baker Mayfield's eighth in the National Football League in passing attempts over 20 yards, 53, okay? He's got 53 of them. He's not in the top 15 in completing them. Desmond Ritter has more completions on over 20 yards than he does. Ritter's 15th with 18. Like, they can't make plays down the field. So either they accept themselves. I said this after the game on my pod. What they need to do is go back to old school West Coast. They've got to try to get into some two-back sets, run the ball, run bingo cross, kind of run the short passing game, which Mahomes really doesn't want to run. I mean, he's holding the ball to look for the ball down the field, and he can't make those plays. So you can't run the Tyree Kill, old-school Travis Kelsey offense where you had guys making plays all over. See, this is the classic example of when you see it, when you have a couple great players, they make the other players look better. And now they don't have that great player to make other players look better. It's funny. Now, everybody feels sorry for Mahomes, but I've been told now for four years that, you know, the quarterback doesn't need anybody. Brady won all those Super Bowls by himself. So why, why are people complaining that Mahomes doesn't have any players around him? Yeah, he's supposed to be able to do it all. He's supposed to be able to handle it. That's what they told me. Brady did it all. That Belichick would be Zach Taylor without Brady. That's what someone said. So, like, tell me why that works. Like, why is Mahomes need player and Brady didn't? Like, you, this is a sport that requires everybody working together. It's not one individual. As great as Mahomes is, and he's still great. Now, he's not, he's not playing within the system. Dante Hall even said that. But they're not explosive. They're not going to blow anybody out. I'm actually shocked that all the money is coming in. It's funny. The book's scared. The book's taking a ton of money on the Bengals this week, and they won't move off a of seven. I think that could be the teaser play here, don't you, Stormy? Yeah, there are a few teaser options. I think let's push that forward to tonight's game as well. Like maybe you team it up with the Browns in that spot tonight, a seven and a half point favorite against the Jets. But also just to close out that thought on Patrick Mahomes, tied for 18th in yards per attempt this year at 6.9 yards, 30th in air yards per attempt at 6.3, and he's thrown more interceptions uh, than any of his previous seasons with 14 and still has two more games to go. Um, two and six, their last six games, Kansas City is. But Thursday night football tonight, Jets-Browns, mm-hmm. seven and a half points the spread here. Browns taking money. Uh, I, I think this will be a popular teaser play to your point. Low total bet down to 34 now with two of the top defenses in the NFL in terms of yards allowed. Flacco revenge bowl perhaps tonight, Michael? <laughs> well, I mean, my man Robert Sala says <laughs> that they don't regret it at all. And, wh- and why should they stormy why should they regret it because yeah, let me give Wilson you some and Trevor numbers Simeon have been amazing yeah i mean look the new york jets when they line up today and they come out of the stadium they average 12 points per game on the road that's pretty good right that's good they get 13 and a half first downs on the road here's where they excel though stormy they hit six they've turned the ball over 16 times in the six road games now, they're good. They run the ball. They have 550 yards rushing on the road. But really, that was helped by 234 in the Denver game. And the five road games, you know, without the Denver, they average about 60 yards per game. And then they average about 160 yards passing. So they're doing well. They're doing really well. And just, just to add another cherry on top of this Sala Sunday, they're, they're the worst third-down team in really, you're going to have to go back 15 years to find a third-down team that's as worse as the Jets. And then one more. They lead the league in fumbles. 
They're doing great, though. They don't they don't need it's anybody wonderful, else. Right. I mean, I, how could they not do any better? I love it. You know, how about this stat? When Salah plays against teams that have offensive production, teams that average 20 or more points, he's 10 and 22 straight up. When he when he plays against teams that average under 20, he's six and eight straight up. Who wouldn't want him to be your head coach for the next 10 years? Oof. Those are some numbers. But again, he's getting the Aaron Rodgers mulligan. This we know. This we know. So I want to talk about this Jets defense because they are still, you know, despite all the (laughs) issues that they've had this season, they're still like top two pass defense in the NFL. Flacco has been amazing getting the ball downfield. Multiple 300-yard performances. He's got the connection. Uh, Hopefully, Amari Cooper is able to go. I know that he's hopeful, but still haven't seen anything official on him as of yet. But... This Jets team hasn't allowed a 300-yard passer in a couple of seasons now. Do you think that they'll be able to slow him down in this game tonight at least a little bit, or what do you think? Well, here's the reality of the Browns. Okay, so Deshaun Watson, in, in the six games that he played, they averaged 28 passes per game. In the four games that Joe Flacco has come in off the bench, they averaged 42 and a half passes per game. Stefanski loves throwing the football with Flacco. His playbook is wide open. And now, just so we know and keep this in perspective, the Browns weren't playing behind in any of those games. The Ram game was a close game going into the fourth. So, And they're 3-1 and one with Flacco. So they're going to throw the ball. They're going to th- attack this zone coverage of the, of the Jets. they got to hold up up front. But the Browns' defense is going to be the key in this game. This is where they're so good. The Browns only allow 105 points on the road in the last eight games at home right they only give up so they're going to come right after Simeon and you know and I know the Jets will fumble and turn the ball over which will help the Browns offense I'll give you one more stat because we love Robert Sala numbers today 0-5 ATS and straight up when playing on short rest so there's another one there for you Um, why not bring him back hey give him an extension I think you should give him another 12 year extension (laughs) meanwhile Kevin Stefanski now your favorite for coach of the year at plus 130 Yep. This uh, is a game that is, is is the perfect illustration. One guy's overcoming the backup quarterback. The other guy just says, I can't do it. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every NFL or bowl game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. We're always improving our betting splits as well and recently added soccer betting splits from around the world. Betting splits, another way vcin is here to make you a more informed, better year-round. You can check out those splits for every game at vcin.com slash splits. Welcome back to the Lombardi line. Uh, We were talking right before the break about how Kevin Stefanski is the new favorite in the coach of the year market. Michael, you know how many favorites that we've seen in the MVP (laughs) market this year? Oh my God. Eight different guys have found themselves atop this odds board. It is crazy. And after, so I was just going to say, and after last week when Brock Purdy was as high as a minus 250 favorite on Christmas Day before the four interception performance against the Ravens, now Lamar Jackson is a minus 190 favorite in the market. How hectic has this market been? Well, it's been based on every game. I mean, Mahomes, what, from week yeah. six all the way to week 11 was the favorite, right? You know, and, and we were watching the same games. I mean, he wasn't very good then. You know, he was good, but he wasn't like at this elite level. I don't think we really have defined what is the most valuable player. Like, what is what is the player? I mean, to me, what's funny is Tyreek Hill's never been in the lead. He's never even gotten any love. He's never been the leader, even though we know how valuable he is to their team and why they win because of his presence on the field. So this is a this is a, a capturing the moment. Jackson will, won't be the MVP if he plays poorly against Miami. I mean, two is liable to come in and become the leader again if he plays good, right? I mean, if he has four quarters, if he throws the ball for four touchdowns like he did the last time he played Baltimore in Baltimore, he's liable to win the award. So, you know, it's the, the season's so long. I mean, I, I really think if Josh Allen, if Miami loses, 
and Josh Allen gets to go to Miami to play for first place, I think he should be considered the, the, the MVP of the league because without him, I think Buffalo's a very average team. It, it really is remarkable how much this is a week-to-week -week league, we know that, but how much that's been reflected in the MVP market, that it's just kind of been along those lines. Who's having the biggest week this week? And when Brock Purdy was this massive favorite, he has one bad game, and granted, it was it was yeah. an abysmal performance. It was a brutal to have four interceptions and look the way that he did. And I know Kyle Shanahan tried to make some excuses that it's not all on him. There was the tips. There were different situations, yeah. not all of them his fault. Absolutely fair. But still, you can't have a performance like that. Now we see Christian McCaffrey as the second shortest shot on the board behind Lamar Jackson sitting at four to one. He's an odds on minus 225 favorite to win offensive player of the year. Tyreek Hill behind him. But do you think that like, do you think Christian McCaffrey, because his odds have shortened as much as he have, and there's been so much of the narrative that it is the surrounding pieces around Brock Purdy, that he this could be the year that a non-quarterback does step back into winning this award? Like, if Lamar Jackson falters a little bit, is the door wide open for Christian McCaffrey? I mean, McCaffrey was on the field when they got blown out by the Ravens. I mean, why is he not paying a price and all it's all Brock Purdy's yeah, fault? Purdy's I mean, he was, in the, yeah. he was in the blitz protection that ended up causing one of those problems. So, like, you know, to me, it's just a, it's whatever the moment is. Nobody really looks over the landscape of the league and says, wow, without this player. If they did, Tyreek Hill would certainly be in sure. consideration. And, and look, Josh Allen is doing some incredible things. I know he turns the ball over quite a bit, but he's he's been able to take this team from nowhere and make it into the could easily be the number two seed look Kansas City don't want to play Buffalo again right Kansas City doesn't want anything to do with Buffalo Jalen Hurts hasn't played well so there's really it hasn't been this year there hasn't really been a dominating player other than Lamar who if you took Lamar off the Baltimore team they we wouldn't be talking about Mike McDonald as a defensive head coach we wouldn't be talking about Todd Munn I mean he makes this thing go he really does and the team buys into him and he you know I didn't even think he played his best game the other night I thought he was good I didn't think he was elite no, I agree with you. And he he does do remarkable things, but it's crazy. If you look at his numbers from the year that he did win MVP compared to year, they're, this year, they're, they're not even in the same stratosphere. So from a right. stats standpoint, I don't know. I love the Josh Allen thing, especially because he did start the year as one of those three favorites to win the award coming in at plus 650. I'd have to go back and look to see how high the number ultimately did get for Josh Allen, but still eight to one right now on that odds board to work his way back in 13 to one at some shops still as well. So shop around, find the best number. You think if he can work his way back in over these next couple of games and maybe Lamar Jackson takes a step back, but it's a really, how really volatile Matthew Stafford? market. How about Matthew Stafford? Doesn't even get a sniff. Now, you take Matthew Stafford off the Rams and we saw how bad they were, right? We saw how bad they were. And this is a team that's really playing well now. You know, they got he's got them going. He's playing as well as he's played since he's been in Los Angeles. I think they I think McVay is getting cheated out of coach of the year because he's McVay and everybody expects it. But what he's done with this team, this team is not talented. This team isn't overly talented. I mean, they have no depth. What Raheem Morris, what Sean and what Stafford have been able to do is collectively come together, running behind Williams, fixing their offensive line. I think it's a tremendous job by everybody in that organization, Les Snead, all of them. I mean, they've done a great job. And so, like, but that doesn't get, you know, because they're not in first place, yeah. nobody really sees it. It's like Stefanski. He's been doing a great job winning 10 games. You know, Stefanski should win coach of the year just for hiring Schwartz as his defensive coordinator. That, if that's if Green Bay made that move, we wouldn't be having this Jair Alexander discussion and and some of the things we've talked about. How bad Green Bay? I mean, think about how bad Green Bay is on defense when you look at how many points they've allowed to really mediocre quarterbacks. So, Michael, I know you're pretty fired up about the Jair Alexander stuff, and we do have the audio from him in the locker room. So, for for anybody who missed it. This situation with him is crazy. He's going to be suspended for the game coming up this weekend, which is a very important game coming up on Sunday night against the Minnesota Vikings. But he, despite not being a captain, walks out onto the field this past week and not only walks out with the captains, but makes the call on the coin toss, does not handle it properly, says we want to play defense instead of defer. So thank goodness that LaFleur planted that seed before the game, that that's what they wanted to do. So the referee could go ask him back. But reporters were asking about him, about this to him in the locker room. Here's what he had to say. 
place. You almost made a big mistake on the call, though. What I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which, in theory, could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah. No, I told them that. Uh, I said uh, I want I want our defense to be out there, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like, he didn't even know what he did. No, he had no clue. He had no clue, nor did he care. He didn't care. He, he has no remorse. I mean, here's what I don't understand is how did they not, how did LaFleur not see him go out there and say to somebody, what's he doing out there? How did LaFleur not, when he came off the field, just say, what are you doing? Like, when do you, we didn't put you out there. Well, my teammates have my, have my back. I mean, to me, it's an absence of leadership. It's a complete, obvious absence of leadership in Green Bay. You wonder why. Now, it's interesting. Today, I'm looking at the board, Stormy, and it's lighting up on Minnesota. This line has moved from two to there's, there's some, there's some pickums in the shop. Some are down to one. It's down to a half a point, one and a half. It's moving all over. We must be getting some kind of a decision on who's going to play quarterback for Minnesota. Yeah, and I heard Caesar, Jaron Hall, officially. Smart. There we go. You you like that decision? Well, I mean, you can't play Mullen. I mean, Mullen has had more interceptions that haven't been caught, and he's had a lot of interceptions that have been caught, right? He's a turnover machine waiting to happen. And you can't go back to Dobbs. You've already seen that. And Jaron Allen, I mean, the kid was 8 of 10 in the first drive against Atlanta. He operated the offense. He can run a little bit. You know, he's got some skill as a runner. And look, without T.J. Hawkinson, this is going to be a hard game because he's their security blanket. He has 127 targets, had like 98 catches, so they're throwing him the ball. But for me, I don't think he had a choice. I think this is the only choice he could make. You can't put Mullen back out there after he's had seven turnovers in two weeks and he's cost you two games. Yeah, it's- I mean, it's a you can't do that. You just like people don't understand like these turnovers cost you games. There's only 17 of them. Well, and it just stinks because they go from Josh Dobbs, who had the turnover issues that he had. You're like, okay, let's change up the juju and bring in Nick Mullins. Then he has the issues that he has. So hopefully Jaron Hall can at least hang on to the football. I do agree with you. I think the mobility factor that Jaron Hall brings to the game will will be important for Minnesota because you mentioned no TJ Hawkinson, who has the torn ACL and MCL he's done, but also Jordan Addison apparently day to day. Um, And so that would be another important loss if he's unavailable with an ankle injury. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're a beat-up team, but they're playing at home. They're playing the Packers, and look, let's face it, okay, when you sit there and play the Packers, you know, you're, you can't be scared of them on defense because we watched Bryce Young have his best game against them. We watched Baker Mayfield look like the second coming of Bart Starr on Lambeau Field, right? I mean, we saw Tommy DeVito take a two-minute drive down. I mean, I just named three quarterbacks that I, I know Baker's having a better season, but they make every quarterback look good in Green Bay. Some real juggernauts offenses weren't they wow yeah not good um we've got a lot more news and notes to get to around the national football league including an interesting question about cowboys head coach mike mccarthy we'll get into that and more when we return on the lombardi line witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What does it take to run a small business? Heart, smarts, and the nerve to risk it all in the face of adversity. Listen to The Unshakables, the new podcast now available from Chase for Business and iHeart. It features real stories from real small business owners who take you through the turmoil, triumphs, and quick turns that help their businesses break through. 
Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. eBay Motors es tu socio seguro. Puedes ver el potencial. Con algo de trabajo, piezas nuevas y mucha pasión, transformaste una carrocería oxidada con 100,000 millas en un vehículo totalmente singular. Con más de 122 millones de piezas y accesorios para tu vehículo, puedes asegurar que siga funcionando sin problemas. Juegos de frenos, faros, turbocargadores, defensas, lo que requiera tu carro, encuéntralo en eBay Motors. Con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, te aseguras que la pieza le queda perfecta a tu carro a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Y a estos precios, ¿qué más llantas y no tu dinero? Mantén vivo ese espíritu de ride or die, baby, en eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com. Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly, and they'll get the NBA League Pass for the rest of the season. Download the app and use the promo code VSIN. That's V-S-I-N when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Keeping it rolling, talking all things National Football League as we get set for Week 17, kicking off later on tonight. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Tony with you. And uh, a number of headlines been coming through over the last 24 hours, one of which I found a little bit interesting about Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy, mm. Michael, despite gearing up for his third consecutive playoff appearance with Dallas. Apparently his future with the organization this year, this season could be under a microscope after the year ends if they have another early playoff exit. ESPN's Dan Graziano saying people outside of the Cowboys organization have speculated that McCarthy could be in trouble should that happen. We usually have a segment on the show called News or Noise, and it feels appropriate here. News or Noise, Michael? I think this is a lot of noise. I mean, first of all, when you're thinking about change in the NFL, you have to understand the person who decides to make the change. You know, and Jerry Jones isn't one to make change when things are going well. He didn't make change when Jason Garrett had one bad year and then the next year he was okay and then the next year he was bad. He made change when Garrett was bad for two years. And same thing with Dave Campo. I mean, this is not Jerry's style. I think the other factor is, if you're Jerry, why would I get rid of McCarthy? The, the quarterback that I paid all this money to is having his best year. Like, why would I do that? Like, what could I do to help McCarthy? Why would I want to start over? There's a good chance Dan Quinn ends up going to a job. You know, let's just say for hypotheticals, Pete Carroll resign, decides he wants to quit up at Seattle. I'm not saying it's true. There's Obviously, when you're at Pete's age, there's always a conversation about am I coming back. Dan Quinn would be the next coach in Seattle. They love him up there. John Schneider knows him. So there's a good chance Dan Quinn, if he doesn't get that job, he may get another job. So now I got to start with a new head coach, a new defense coordinator with a quarterback that was playing really well. I, I find that one just really hard to believe. I think to me that makes no sense at all. And it doesn't fit Jerry. It really doesn't. Jerry's not a compulsive George Steinbrenner behavior guy. He's just not. He, he's, he's got Steven next to him who's the voice of reason. And Steven kind of can temper you know, and he makes decisions based on economics and based on other circumstances. He made the decision to bring Bill Parcells in because he needed a stadium. That was an economic decision along with a football one. This one doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and you make the point about Mike, Mike McCarthy, how he deserves a lot of credit for the way that he's play calling to help set Dak Prescott up for the success that he's had largely this season. And speaking of Jerry Jones, he indicated as much earlier this month at league meetings that Mike McCarthy was in line for a contract extension. And I know yeah. that that was in the midst of a five game win streak and they've since dropped back to back games, but that doesn't just go out the window because you right. lost one game to Buffalo and another by two points in Miami. Like, I don't think that that just changes that abruptly. Right. Well, because we live in a, we live in a media climate that wants to create the story and so, you know, look, Josh McDaniel's first year at the Raiders, he was under, he was going to get fired his first year. You know, that was the story. 
you know, and when last week when they beat Kansas City, had Josh McDaniels been the head coach and Devontae Adams had one catch for four yards, all we would have read about is how Josh McDaniels got to get fired because he can't get the ball to him. But we didn't read that because the narrative has changed. See, these are all narratives. It's like the MVP voting. They're just a narrative of what people want to promote. And so nobody wants McCarthy to be the head coach of the Cowboys. They just refuse to accept it. They just don't like it. They don't think he's the right fit. It's all social media that's driving this. It's not really anything that relates to the football decision, right? Nothing relates to it. You know, why is Robert Sala not a, why am I the only one screaming that he's done a bad job? Because he's well-liked in the media. So when you can carry faith, meanwhile, Belichick's, you know, he's going to get fired after the, you know, immediate, the, the second the season ends, he's gone. It, it, it's all narrative. And I think that plays into the MVP market. It also plays into the betting market. You know, and you have to take a step back and say, okay, what really happened? Who won? Why they win? What they do? It's this Russell Wilson thing. The line shifted from five and a half down to three and a half. Wilson wasn't the reason they were winning. Wilson wasn't the reason they were a five and a half point favorite to begin with. Now, there, you could say, well, you know, Stidham could turn the ball over. Wilson protected the football. Yeah, but I don't think Sean Payton is going to make Stidham into a situation where he has to do that. It is funny when you talk about the Mike McCarthy, when you put it in the terms of comparing it to a Robert Sala situation, when the Jets have just been abysmal all season long, this Dallas Cowboys team's 10 and five. They're making the playoffs every single year. The team that they lost to in the postseason each of the last two years was the San Francisco 49ers who have been in positions to play for NFC championships and are considered largely the best team in the National Football League this year. So I, I, I don't, I know that, the way that they lost those games in the playoffs was not great, but I don't think that Mike McCarthy has done anything really to say that he's not going to continue to at least give you a chance to contend for a Super Bowl down the line. They want that NFC championship streak to end since the mid nineties. They haven't put themselves in that position. I think he gives them a great opportunity to be in that position. Yeah. I mean, look, he just lost a game. Think about this, Stormy. He just lost a game to a kicker, Jason Sanders, who made three kicks over 50 yards, right? And going into the game, he was two for four on those, you know? And now he's five for seven. So, like, he did something that was kind of unique. He, he, was, he was a 50% kicker outside of the 50. And the Cowboys lost because of those three long field goals, and the guy made five field goals, like they lost because they fumbled at the one yard line. They lost because they couldn't get the ball back when they needed to get the ball back. They didn't lose because Mike McCarthy's a bad head coach. When they lose on the road, it's not because McCarthy's bad. It's because they can't block anybody. They struggle. Again, it comes back to be rational. Study why your team wins. Why does your team lose? And the answer is there. And firing McCarthy makes no sense, especially when you look at how good Dak has played for him. Like, I would be sitting in Dallas saying, okay, if we can get a better left tackle, if we take Tyler Smith, move him out there, we'll get a guard. we got to get, you know, we're going to have to get a, our corners have got to stay healthy. Yada, you know, there's things to fix here. We're not a bad team. We just lost to a team by two points, and they had to kick three 50-plus yard field goals. So we're the worst team in the league, and they're the best team? Come on. And a team in Miami, too, no less, that is considered a contender this year and that is like the media darling in the National Football League, it seems. Uh, Dallas, plus 450 to win the NFC this year, 10-1, to 1, sixth on the odds board to win the Super Bowl. They are a five-and-a-half-point favorite, down from six-and-a-half against the Lions in a standalone Saturday ABC contest, total 53-and-a-half. And... A half. and uh, Cowboys, we know how much success they have had at home this year. They're seven and zero at home, six and one against the spread. They're also nine and two ATS in the favorites role this season. How do you think that they perform against this Detroit team that is riding pretty high after clinching a division title for the first time in my lifetime? Well, I mean, it's a second row game for Detroit, and we know this. Detroit has trouble defending the pass, right? And this is really the perfect situation for Dallas, right? Dallas, if they can block Hutchinson and they can handle it, you know, Dallas's run game isn't what it was last year, you know, but this Detroit team, you don't really want to run it. You want to throw it. And, you know, they can throw the football effectively and they're going to throw it against Detroit. I mean, Detroit will struggle to, to play the pass. I mean, they will struggle to handle that. They do on the road. I mean, last week against Minnesota, Minnesota threw – 
Nick Mullen, I hate to break the news to you, he threw for 373 yards last week. <laughs> right? That's not a ch- now he turned it over four times. That's not a championship level defense. That's not a defense you want to back on a road game and a playoff game. I know the line's six, but to me, this is the kind of game where the Cowboys will, you know, they can they're gonna score points. Detroit can too, but Detroit has a chance to turn it over. I think this is it's a perfect game for Dallas because their skill players can take over and you don't have to run the football. I mean, Minnesota ran for 17 yards last week. They didn't even try to run the ball. They just threw it all over the lot. They had 390 yards. You're, you're making me maybe have a lean toward the total. I know it's sitting 53 and a half, but the Lions have been the best over team in the NFL this year, 10 and 5 to the over this season. We know Dallas can score, especially at home. That point differential in their home building has been pretty, pretty remarkable. Maybe an over. I know primetime unders are like a way of life in 2023, but maybe we get some points on Saturday. You know, I, I think you can. I mean, look, I think both teams are, you know, look, the Cowboys struggle. Now, if the Cowboys turn it over, the under will, won't hit. The over won't hit. If they, if Goff starts to turn it over. Remember, this is a close game last year. You know, Goff fumbles the ball in the one-yard line, and it's a 10-6 game. They're going to go in. And then the next thing you know, it was a 24-6 game. And so they did a good job against Goff last year and Ben Johnson. They played really well. Can they match it this year? I don't know. That is the highest point total of the week. The next closest, San Francisco and Washington, that total sitting at 50. 49ers, a 12 and a half point favorite in that one. We're going to step aside here on the Lombardi line. When we come back, we'll reset for hour two. We got some updated news and notes. Remind the folks at home about a quarterback change that has been made in Minnesota. And quite frankly, a number of quarterback changes this week. We'll get into it in a moment. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 